classic 80s metal. Symphonic death metal opera. But I've got to be in a mood to listen to Black Sabbath. Many of our listeners weren't even born then. Back for its time, it was very progressive. I can see there are thrash elements. You are a metal paradox. A stunning vision of death metal. I would listen to it over and over and over again today. It just seems so dated. I hear this more as operatic and goth. Lori Anson will surpass Rob Halford as the iconic heavy metal singer. You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Minions of Evil, welcome back to the Great Metal Debate Podcast. This is your Infernal Lord, Gontog, and I'm also joined by... Brian, your Heavenly Lord. Well, not the Lord, but a Lord. Why back down from the Lord? You know, you'd think God would have better luck, but, you know, that's my only defense. <laughs> Well, man, this is our uh, late summer edition of the Great Metal Debate. How's your summer been going so far, man? I had a great summer, man. Spent a lot of time with the boys. Of course, they've gone back to Texas now. And so that's been difficult. But metal pulls me through, makes me feel better. You know, when I experience it the way that I experience it and like what I like, it makes me feel better. For me, this has been the uh, mid-summer interlude between concerts. I saw uh, four concerts back in the spring and early summer, and then the concert circuit will heat back up. I'll see some more metal shows coming up in September, October, and November. Yes, I'm actually going to one of those shows. Why don't you tell them what show we're going to there, We are going to see Origin, and supporting acts will be King Parrot, yes. Beyond Creation, yeah. Canadian Metal, yeah. Your Chance to Die. That's the one. And then a variety of other uh, bands that I can't remember. So there's like 25 bands playing all in one night, is that correct? I think it's more like six or seven. They play 30 seconds of a song and then they leave? Is that how it's going to work? For Beyond Creation, which is maybe my favorite band on that bill, I really have a hard time believing they'll get in more than five or six songs. It'll be interesting to see. Of course, this will be my first concert in a while. Are you going to protect me from all the evil people that are going to be going to be there? No, man. I will be right there urging you to come down the aisle and accept Satan as your personal Savior. That's right. You are one of the evil people. I keep forgetting that. Well, let's get to our podcast, Gomfog. What do you want to talk about first? Let's take up a question that we actually received on our Facebook site from our friend of the podcast, Alina. What was that? Oh, no. I remember that question. I quote, in relation to recent events in Nightwish, their drummer Juka stepping down from recording, as well as Arch Enemy vocalist Elisa White Gluz playing shows with a broken rib, could you all touch on the topics of health as it relates to metal? Man, that's a, that is a great question. I'll start with Elisa White Gluz. I've had some broken ribs, and I cannot imagine singing with broken ribs. It is one of the most painful things I've broken, and I've broken a few, as you know. You've broken a lot of bones, dude. Yes, I have. I have. So I know that there are a lot of band members that get injured or get sick. And so how do you think that they, they approach that? Do they plan for that? Do they, do they just make do as it goes? 
Well, man, I think back to the 1988 tour of Judas Priest where K.K. Downing, the entire tour, spent his whole time in bed because he had he had mononucleosis and literally went through the whole tour with that. He talks still about how he would sleep in the tour bus 22 hours a day and just get up to be on stage for the show. You know, this has to be a problem for bands. I mean, you get bands that go out on tour, it is no rest, high energy, high impact. There has to be injuries and sickness. But I look to ACDC. You've got Malcolm, who the rumor is has suffered a, a, a tremendous stroke, and they have to find someone to fill in to record their newest album. And you wonder, what's the music going to sound like? You know, you have the touring aspect and you have the recording aspect of that. Well, it certainly speaks to an issue that we discussed on the Great Metal Debate Podcast 18, which is the issue of whether you can be too old to play metal. Our answers were no, but I think there's an asterisk that it becomes more and more difficult as one ages to go through the recording and the touring schedule. I don't think you can be too old to do it, but I do think it's a young person's game. I I do also. I you know, it also brings to mind a question of how much impact does the term sex, drugs, and rock and roll play into it? You know these folks are partying it up, a lot of them. There are some that are teetotals, but you know that there's so many metal and rock stars that have died over the years because of drug overdoses and alcoholism. Bon Scott, back to ACDC, you know, choked on his own vomit and died. <laughs> you know, that that's I think, is a direct result from being a, in a band. So you have to wonder how good it is for your health. I guess I would just say that the most of, I mean, there are exceptions, but most of the successful artists view this as a profession. They're not about partying every evening. They're about going out there, providing the music, traveling to see the fans, and trying to stay healthy as they do it. It's not about going out and being wild and crazy every night. Yeah, let me just say I hope that's not true, because that is certainly not the way it used to be. Good Lord. Yeah, I mean, back in the ancient 80s, you know, things may have been very different. But in this day and age, with the variety of options, as far as fans listening to music, bands can't take any chance. They can't afford to rock and roll every night and party every day. I cannot believe you just got that phrase backwards. That just says so much about you. And I fell asleep during that explanation. I long for the days when metal was an attitude and not a profession because I think the music was so much better. It was so much about just enjoying it at the time. Now it's about angst and anger and hatred and getting it out. And it's a bunch of bullshit if you ask me. I couldn't disagree more. The quality of the music on average is so much higher now than it was back in the ancient 80s, Brian. There were so many of those bands that were just crap. And unfortunately, back in those days, people just accepted the crap for what it was. There wasn't the variety. There weren't the multiple ways that people could access the music. Now, bands have to be in top form. They have to provide everything. The music, the show, the technicianship. They have to do it all. And there's just no room for partying. Oh, my God. I am sad for you, my friend. Partying is what it's about. It's what started metal. 
It's what started rock and roll. The king of rock and roll, Elvis, died of an overdose. I'm not saying that's a good choice. Matter of fact, it's a horrible choice, but it certainly is part of the music, or it was. Nowadays, it's all about all the boring things that you just said right there. If you're citing Elvis Presley as your example of musicianship, I think that speaks for itself. I love the angst that the new metal has, and there are certainly situations where that angst takes the form of abuse and things that aren't good for you, and they reflect that attitude of the 80s. But there's so much technicality. The very things that you listed are the things that I don't like about metal these days. To me, it's what's wrong with metal. It's so practiced and so technical that they've lost the edge to the music. The elements that you talk about, the partying, the, quote, attitude, I mean, that's the stuff that I could just pass by. I want that technical musicianship. I want that passion. I want that professionalism. Those are the things that, to me, embody metal. That's completely the opposite for me. We're going to have to agree to disagree on this, but I want to move this discussion in a little different direction. There's also another aspect of, of being in a band I've noticed in the news lately, there is a tremendous amount of band turnover. And I'll cite one of our favorite bands from Canada, Carchaos, who recently announced that Veronica O. Rodriguez is not going to be singing for them. And it makes me wonder, what's the dynamic of something like that? Yeah, I will just say that being in a band is to be part of a enterprise that's always fluid. As a fan, do I like that? No. I would like my bands to remain somewhat the same, you know, year after year, album after album, but, but that's not the reality on the ground. The reality on the ground is that band members have different personal needs. The economy of being part of a band, we talked about going to see the show with Origin, King Parrot, right. Beyond Creation, and Your Chance to Die. Right. The guys in Your Chance to Die have recently put out a plea on Facebook, can we... If you have some unused gift cards, gas gift cards, or gift cards to restaurants, please send those to us because we don't know how we're going to get through this few-month tour with the cash reserves we have on hand right now. I mean, that's the economic reality. It's very difficult for a band to make it. It's even more difficult for an individual to remain committed to the band. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to think about that kind of commitment. And you know that there are band members that go absolutely to the point of just not having anything for their craft. That kind of dedication I like. And sometimes, like you say, the realities of that are disappointing. Let me, let me go back to ACDC. Chris Slade, you know, he, he had a difference of opinion, not because of money, obviously, but simply because they asked somebody else to do, you know, their old drummer, Cliff Rudd, to do a guest spot. So he doesn't like that. He takes off. He regrets that later. You know, you know there has to be that dynamic, that sort of family atmosphere that permeates through every single band. Oh, absolutely. And again, I, to me, the economics are the biggest thing. Many band members have to make the calculation, how far do I take this that may forward my career as a musician, but that may hurt myself as a provider for my family? Absolutely. I mean, you look at the recent Into Eternity change. They cited the need for family concerns, uh, and in a way, I kind of respect that because you've done everything you can, you've gone at it as hard as you can, you've lived the dream and pursued the dream as long as you can, 
But there comes a time when the reality just kind of hits you, whether it's health or economics or, you know, difference of opinion. It doesn't matter. Being part of a band is tough. I mean... Oh, I don't disagree, Brian, which is why I respect the musicians of the new millennium much more than the pampered pansies from back in the ancient 80s. Yeah, because there were no struggling bands back in the 80s. You're right. Everybody had it good then. Let me remind you of a little band that we know about called Dirt Cheap. That disproves your theory right there, my friend. You know, one had to quit because he got his girlfriend pregnant. You know, one had to quit because he got another job. One had to quit because he got way too drunk and can't remember a lot of things now. Metal in the 80s was hard also, my friend. I love Dirt Cheap. I think that there were internal elements that maybe disrupted that as much as or more than external elements. Dude, what could be more metal than partying your band into non-existence? Whether that's metal or not, I don't feel sorry for them not succeeding because of that. Okay. i tell you what, we'll leave it at that with dirt cheap, you know, struggling in the 80s also. Brian, your discussion of the 80s takes me back to a conversation that we had back in the 80s about a certain song by a band that, you know, I have strong feelings about. Your favorite band in the 80s? Called Metallica. And a song that they play called Jump in the Fire. Jump in the Fire. And you and I had a conversation about that song back in the 80s. It scared me a little bit. Why did the song scare you, Brian? Okay. Now, let me just start by saying this. you got to remember the, the atmosphere in the 80s. The PMRC was in full swing. Everybody was looking for Satan and suicide and death messages. And along I, comes... I wasn't. Along comes Gumfog with this new band, this new album from Metallica called Jump in the Fire. And I remember him saying, dude, you got to listen to this. You gotta, you're going to love it. And you got I, that... I think what I said was, you got to listen to this. These guys are posers. You did not say that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you have selective memory when it comes to them. And I remember you, you know, listening to this song with you. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is his evil anthem and invitation all in one. He's asking us to join the dark side. You took the lyrics to mean... I need to jump in the fire in the flames of hell with a literal Satan. Yes, absolutely. And it was, uh, back then it was a little frightening. I remember how much you enjoyed getting all the evangelical Christians riled up with the songs that you listened to. It goes back to our King Diamond discussion. I think you like that particular type of music simply because it gets a rise out of people that you don't agree with their beliefs. Well, I think it's hilarious when someone like you is frightened of a song called Jump in the Fire because you take that to mean Satan is asking me to jump in the fires of hell with him. Dude, I have said these words. These words have come out of my mouth. If anybody I know is possessed, it's Gomfog. I don't believe in the type of possession you're talking about because, because I don't believe that demons that are ancient creatures affect humanity for evil. But you certainly relished the idea that everybody else 
thought you believed that. I, I think that's what has formulated I, I've, your choice. I've never. Music. You loved the fact that your music scared people. You got into that. It's why you no. choose the music you choose today. That's not true it at all. It is absolutely true. I think it's hilarious that people believe that there are creatures that are separated from us through some sort of metaphysical veil. But you don't leave it there. You take it a step beyond. You throw it in their face just to see their reaction. I don't have to throw it in their face. That's their assumption about reality. They believe that is an accurate description of reality. And so when I listen to music that references demons or the devil, they believe that literally is referencing evil creatures. Yeah, I mean, and, and you definitely have the corner on, on that market on how evil really is, don't you? I totally believe in evil, but I don't think evil is the result of ancient creatures who we can't see. But I'm saying that people who believe those creatures exist, you live for those times when you can offend them. And you choose your music based on that premise. No. If they take offense, great, because maybe that will shake them into the reality of realizing that that's a ridiculous notion. Oh. Of course, there aren't ancient creatures who are in some parallel universe to us. That is ridiculous. Oh, well, thank God that Gonfog has laid down the truth, and we can all believe it now. I don't know that I have the corner on the truth. I stand by that truth statement. You know what, man? The attitude that you have about educating the public about what you think metal is and what you think metal should be or how you think it should be viewed has been the same since the 1980s. I think that you inflict upon people your definition of what metal is. Yes, you got, thank you. Okay. <laughs> That's actually the perfect response for you. I like that. So that brings us to our next statement. And I'm just going to say this, and I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say it. The missing keyboard solo. If you go back to the Great Metal Debate podcast episode, I think it's five. In that episode, we reviewed the song The Tempest by Car Chaos. Yes. And in that review, you referenced that there was a keyboard solo in that song. I don't think this is metal. There is a lovely melodic keyboard solo in the middle of this song. Uh, I, so, I think it's very distinct, as a matter of fact. And I said, what are you talking about? You have argued passionately since that time uh, over and over that there is such a lead break. Okay. There's a point in that song where the piano, the keyboard, takes a dominant role in the music. To me, that is a, a keyboard break. It is the one point in that song where the piano, the keyboard, is predominantly the driving part of that music. I don't see that as, as, as there not being a keyboard break there. You're really straining credulity by making that claim. Let's talk about a band and song that we both know, okay. which is Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. Yes. Would you say that there is a lead break in the song Breaking the Law? Absolutely not. 
Are there sections in that song where the guitars dominate? Absolutely. Yes, yes, definitely. So your claim about dominating or being above the other instruments has nothing to do with it being a lead break or solo. That's not what people mean when they talk about a lead break or solo. I don't think there is a lead. Uh, no, let me let me let me use your words. I don't think there is a solo, a guitar solo in that song. I definitely think there are parts of that song where the guitar stands out, like the whole song. Okay, that's fine. The keyboard may stand out in a whole song, or the guitar may stand out. That's not what people talk about when they re- reference a lead break or solo. What that's referencing is a point where the instrument departs from the main melody of the song and is highlighted for a period of time in that song. But that's what I think happens in the Carcaos song. To me, that is not a that is not a solo. There is a lovely melodic keyboard solo in the middle of this song. To me, that is not a that is not a solo. It's a break. It's a point where that particular instrument is heard above all other instruments. And I think that in the time slots that I showed you earlier, the Tempest has a keyboard break. Let me switch gears here a little bit, and I don't know if this will help or not, but, you know, I've been listening to another Canadian metal band called Unsacred Seed. And during their song, Ill Begotten, they have keyboards throughout the entire song. But to me, there's no point during that song where I go, Wow, they're trying to highlight the keyboard. It's there. I recognize it. It's throughout. It's consistent throughout the song. It is consistent with the guitar. But there's no point where I go, whoa, they're really trying to show that off. In The Tempest, I don't get that same feeling. I get that point where Sebastian just kind of turns it up and becomes the, the main character that, in the song. That's not what anyone means when they use the term solo or lead well, break. thank God Let's you know talk what everyone a- means. Let's talk about the song Hungry for Heaven by Dio. Oh, I love that song. Are there sections of that song where the keyboard dominates? Another song where... Answer the question. Are there sections of of that song where the keyboard dominates? Not to me. What? No. You don't think that there are sections where the keyboard is the dominant instrument? No. my My answer is this. That song is another song that is the perfect harmony of all the instruments in that band. No, there's not a section where the keyboards dominate. So there's not a section in Hungry for Heaven where the keyboards dominate, but there's a lead break in The Tempest by a keyboard player. Yes. I can only say, Brian, that you don't listen to music at all because your, your listening skills are pathetic. It's like you turn on the music and then you walk into another room and have a fantasy about what's actually playing. And yet, somehow, I still enjoy the music. Oh, I don't, th- I, I don't doubt you enjoy it. That, that's never in question. But my I listening doesn't question. have to pick the shit out of it, dude. I don't have You're to not know listening. That's not listening. That's a fantasy. That's bullshit. I listen to the music. I like it. It doesn't matter whether you think I listen or not. I, I You don't listen to music very well. I mean... And you don't listen to music to to enjoy it. it. You listen to pick it apart. Your claim about enjoyment or not seems just like it's hyperbole. I don't know know what that has to do with anything. Whether I'm I'm listening to it or not seems like hyperbole to me. I enjoy it. 
We're not actually talking about enjoyment. We're not. We're not actually. I don't care whether, whether I listen is, to it. Whether is whether there is or isn't a a lead break has nothing to do with whether it's good or bad, whether it's enjoyable or not enjoyable. It has nothing to do with any aesthetic judgment about the music. But I don't give a shit about whether I have to define it as a break or a solo or what. To me, exactly. To me, so I, I, well, the, okay. Then exactly. let me say you, this. Then I don't give a shit. Don't whether give I, a shit. I don't and, give a shit whether so I listen to it. Wrong. I don't give a shit whether I listen to it or not, according to your definition of listen. So it shouldn't surprise anyone that when you say I don't really care about categorizing, that you're unable to correctly categorize whether there is or isn't a lead break. Uh, you know, I, I I'm, I'm sorry. I just refuse to fit your definition of what that means. To me, music is completely, totally subjective. And so there could be a lead break in a song where there isn't even a song. That, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't think... No, I'm just saying, if there's a song where there's no music, because it's subjective to you, you could say, well, there is a lead break there. Well, that's, that's going to the extreme to argue your point, and it has no place in reality. I could tell you whether or not I think a... You want to know whether I think a song has a break or a lead or a solo? Ask me. You ask me about Tempest, I say there's a keyboard break. You ask me about Hungry for Heaven, no. I, I don't think there's a keyboard break in Hungry for Heaven either. I would say there are sections where the keyboards dominate in that song. This is what I would say about that. Thank God I don't notice those things because... I love that song. So, dude, we obviously disagree on this. You know, our definitions and and that and that's fine. I respect you know I respect your your ability and right to pick a song apart. Um, I would just say listen to a song, a song like "Hungry for Heaven," which obviously has a place where the keyboards dominate. I would say enjoy a song where Hungry for Heaven obviously has a place where it makes you feel good. That, that, but I, I, we don't disagree about that, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about where there is or isn't a place where a certain instrument dominates. You've changed the subject again, Brian. Uh, feeling okay. good okay. Okay. has okay. nothing to do with our discussion. I have not changed the subject. I've changed the terms on which we approach the subject. What does enjoyment have to do with whether there is or isn't a place where keyboards dominate? Because if you just let the music flow through you, my friend, who knows what you're going to notice. As detailed as you are, you might find a whole other existence if you just gave all that shit up and listened to the music. Well, Gonthog, we're obviously going to have to leave it there and agree to disagree, as we do on most subjects. We want to thank our listeners for listening to the Great Metal Debate Podcast. We want to encourage you to check out our other podcasts and interviews on our Facebook page and on our SoundCloud page. And again, thank you so much for being here. We want to encourage you to get involved in the debate. I know that there are people out there that are not as dumb as Dom Bob. So, thanks once again. Get involved and keep the great metal debate going.